You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season, we are delving into the global phenomenon of Juliantina. I'm Sheena. My pronouns are she, her. Hi, everyone. Excited to be here. Monica McCowan. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am a lesbic author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast. But uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. So when we left off last time, Lucio had discovered that Sergio and Jules had had sex and he got very excited about this prospect and then Sergio was like no no but we're just friends and it's not like that and then Lucia was like don't worry I won't tell anyone but the music was a little bit ominous and so we don't quite believe him he looked a little too skeevy yeah it was quite frankly the worst possible thing that could happen for Juliana and Val's relationship in that moment says all the the right things to Sergio that he'll keep the secret, but it's obviously elated to have found this out. And then says, wasn't she gay? Meaning that apparently if, you know, if you have sex with another gender, cause you're questioning, you get your gay card revoked. So another really good part of kind of compulsory heterosexuality or the coming out process that the show touches on and does yeah. so in a, in a very real way. But we, I think at this point I've expressed my feelings on Lucho, so I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole so soon into this episode. <laughs> but, but now we get to start today's episode on a very gorgeous shot of Val on her bed. It's beautiful sort of blues and purples, very relaxing looking. But she's while she's lying across the bed... She doesn't exactly look relaxed, especially when you hear the audio that says, hi, leave your message and I'll call when I can. And it's Jules. She's trying to get hold of Jules and she's not able to. And so she rolls her eyes and kind of flips her head. Sounds a little irritated as she says, oh, no, or a little bit sad, maybe. Yeah, she's not. I mean, she's frustrated for sure. But yeah, she's mostly sad and upset because the last time she saw Juliana Juliana had seen Lucho at her house. So right. she doesn't and know so that thinks... any of the other stuff has happened. Right. But because of that, she probably thinks that Jules is upset with her and therefore not answering the phone. She doesn't realize that Jules has been kidnapped. And so she's feeling frustrated and she says to the recording, if you're mad at me, you need to talk to me. We need to discuss this. She was just starting to get things back with Jules and then it's a rocky path. And we understand that, like, she's holding on with her fingertips here. I know. And she's trying because you can argue that, you know, it's a little bit hypocritical how when something's going wrong with her, she pulls away. And when something's going wrong with Juliana, she expects her to talk to her. But I like to see this as character growth as opposed to hypocrisy. That when, you know, given the chance and Val is having a problem in the future, that she will talk to Juliana about it, which is what she does. But yeah, she's going through it right now and she has no idea what is going on with Juliana. Very dramatic. Also, I think it's easier for you to put yourself out there and say, I want to talk to you, I want to be there for you, than it is to say, I need help. Oh, absolutely. I think it's way easier to try and support somebody than to be vulnerable yourself and to figure out the words to express how you feel. And I think that, you know, Valentina isn't 
she's not oblivious to her position in the world and the way she's able to move through it. So I think that in a lot of cases, she feels a little bit guilty about putting her problems on somebody like Juliana, who not only is going through emotional things um, like Val is, but also just in terms of the day-to-day movement through the world has a, a more difficult time. Agreed. Also, they're really young. It's so easy to forget how young they are. Yeah. So now we cut to Lupe again. And so Lupe's just recently discovered that they've kidnapped Jules. This other dude is still there. What's his name? Beltran is still there. And, oh man, Panchito has just arrived and he looks very concerned. Lupe just starts crying and says, you know, they've kidnapped Jules. And now everybody knows to be to give him credit, this Beltran dude is trying very hard to kind of keep Lupe safe by saying to her she mustn't answer the phone because they still think she's dead. Right. And, you know, I will say that's true, but I think it's a little bit more of like a possession slash machissimo thing that leads him to do these things, you know, like Alacron's people and the cartel are not going to get something over on him. Um, I think it's a pride thing that mostly has him doing these things. I think he thinks he loves his family, um, but he loves his family in the way that he is, you know, the patriarch and kind of controls things. I can absolutely see your, your point of view on this. So he gets quite aggressive with Panchito and he's going on about how he's the only one that can possibly save Jules and he knows these people and Panchito sort of stands up to this dude and says to him, well, since you know so much about the world of Hitman, do you have any clue how to find Alcino Valdez? Really like calling him out on this, which I think good for you, Panchito. Do you think Panchito knows? Because this is very, like, confrontational, where he's saying, because it's him that they're looking for. Right. I think of it in the context of, think about what Panchito knows, which is his world is, like, his family, but everything tied in with what's going on with Lupe is Lupe being kidnapped, Lupe pretending to be dead, them hiding out. I'm sure Chino Valdez, you know, her presumed dead but probably not husband is always very front and center of Panchito's mind so you know Lupe's in hiding Juliana's just gotten kidnapped this is all because they are looking for Chino so I really don't think at this point that he has any idea that Beltran is Chino because I don't even think that Panchito's been looped in on the whole transmigration thing yet You know, it hasn't been a part of his story arc to kind of be exposed to this idea or to see something um, that conflicts with the nature of his reality. So I think he just puts two and two together, which is this is all happening because they want Chino. You seem to know a lot about this situation. Where's Chino? Okay. And that's a fake question. Because that would solve all their problems. Beltran's running around and being helpful and blah, blah, blah. But it's also he doesn't have to give himself up. You know, these inconceivably tricky situations are happening because he is laying low and running around. And he actually 
gets to take credit for helping in situations that he is actually the cause of, like paying Lupe's hospital bill and her thinking that he is her guardian angel. And it is because she got kidnapped because he is running around behind the scenes, you know, refusing to to put himself in the fray. Wow, Monica, I've never actually thought about this. I've never given his character this level of thought, but I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. He's garbage. <laughs> he is absolutely garbage. If you want me to be a little more succinct. Okay. So now we cut across to Val, who's looking elegant as ever. And she's sitting in some other room now with a very nice painting on the wall. And Lucho comes into the room and he's like, oh, and he greets her and then gives her a kiss on the cheek. How's everything going? Look, how, I mean, next scene, like we get one scene with Lupe. So we were at Sergio and, oh God, Lucho. And we get one scene of like, Juliana's kidnapped. And he is already over at the compound, at the Carvajal compound, because he just can't wait. He is such a smarmy, I wish I could swear on this podcast, Um, (laughs) because like sometimes they're just, God, swear words just do the job. Um, But, oh my God, he just runs over there and so like casually, so he kisses her first on the cheek, which whatever we can say it's like a cultural thing but you know he's like already reclaiming in his mind what is rightfully his and sits down next to her and just you know casually starts a conversation yeah he starts off with Gie and how's Gie doing and because you know you can't just come out and confront especially if you want your woman back yeah he has his like hands like intertwined just resting on the table in front of him like you know, just casual conversation with a friend that I want to know how they're doing. He is such, you're going to hear me say the word garbage human like 85 times in this episode. All right. So she says she's going across to Gia and he's offers her a ride and she's like, no, thank you. But this is the next day. Okay, got it. So she knows him well enough to know that something is going on. So she says to him, you've got like a face, like, like what is this you it looks like a uh you've got a party face or something like that i can't i don't know what the the hungover know, probably uh, anyway he says uh it was last night's party sergio rented an apartment she says to him you must have been the life of the party oh and he drops it she says to him you must be the life of the party he looks very chuffed about that um and then he says in reality, the plan was for Juliana to stay, but in the end, she didn't stay. And then he knows he's going to get Val's attention. She immediately turns to look at him. She wasn't really looking at him before. I can't even watch this. I know the people listening can't see me, but like my eyes are not on the screen because I can't even stand to look at his stupid face. Ugh. So then he turns around and says, well, I, I think Juliana finally started liking men because she ended up having sex. Not only that, he says that they're dating. He takes it one step further. I, I missed that. Did did he tell her it was Sergio? Yeah. He said, he you know, the plan was for Juliana to stay, but she ended up not staying. And then that's when Valentina looks at him, you know, because she wasn't before, like you said. 
And then he says, yeah, you know, and they must be dating or something because she seems to have started to like him and they had sex. So he uses kind of loose language that he can go back on later. Um, but he says the word dating and implies that she likes him so much and wants to date him and therefore sleep with him. Not that, you know, she was kind of confused and to echo Sergio's exact words, it was a one-time thing and it's not going to happen again. We are just friends. But Lucho, in typical Lucho fashion, only hears what he wants to hear and he cherry-picked the bits and pieces that create the narrative that he needs to give to Val to enact the maximum amount of damage on she and Juliana's relationship. Because... Having knowing that Juliana had sex with Sergio would hurt Valentina, but knowing that Juliana has feelings for Sergio is actually going to hurt her more, in my opinion. I think I blocked out that scene because I don't remember that scene at all. And I'm watching it now and I'm like, wow, I don't know why I ever thought he could be redeemed. This is such a schmarmy move. Like, what the hell is wrong with him? Yeah. Because he straight up lies to Val about it. Sergio was very clear about what happened and the fact that he's not actually dating Jules and Jules and him are just friends. And Lucha just completely twisted it. And Val looks devastated. Yeah, he is a sneaky, sneaky snake. Like, if we're doing bad guys and good guys, he is absolutely for me in the bad guys column. And this is not, yeah, this is, it's not up for negotiation anymore. We could have had debates about it beforehand, but no. No, after this, I'm right there with you. I completely forgot that this even happened or, like, didn't pay enough attention or something. Or maybe it wasn't in the stuff I watched. I don't know. But I'm looking at this now absolutely not redeemable after this because i just think that was complete ass hat move oh yeah he's willing to break valentina's heart to get what he wants and that's not love that's no absolutely not that's no if he had fair and square try to win her back that would have been a different scenario but this this is just all right so now we cut across to a very unhappy looking Jules. She's still in this um she's in like a laundry room, yeah. yeah. And there's like a pillow or something on the floor she's sitting on. Oh, see, okay, so we're just gonna let this run because the soul patch comes in and he starts rubbing her leg and ugh. Yeah, I mean so this show, trigger warning or caution warning, for sure uses yeah. the threat of rape, you know, and that it's very much implied in the way he's kind of creepily touching her. And same when Bad Santa kidnapped Val and Val's stepmom. It was the same type of situation. So it never goes beyond that, to the best of my memory. Um, but these are very uncomfortable scenes. They just make you want to, they make me want to scream and like punch a wall, <laughs> which I think is a testament to them being well done. Um, but they're, they're not easy to watch. No, he touches her leg in a very suggestive way. She looks super uncomfortable. He starts threatening her like, do you want to um, 
take uh, El Chino's secret uh, whereabouts to your grave kind of thing. He's threatening her, threatening rape, threatening murder. It's not fun at all. Now we cut away. Luckily, it's a very short scene. And then we cut away to Lupe. She's getting a phone call from um, Beltran, who's showing her something on the phone. Okay, so he's showing her Jacob's walking out of a house or something. And he's saying, this is El Chino Valdez, and I'm going to solve this problem, basically. Lupe has already seen him, so she knows that he's out and about. Lupe knows that Jacob is not, in fact, El Chino. But to save her daughter, I think she'd probably go along with whatever right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I still think it's, you know, say what you want about knowing somebody's temperament. Like, it's, I can't imagine the mental gymnastics of what you would have to go through when you see somebody that looks like the person you knew and accepting it's not the person. So I don't think that's necessarily a one and done conversation. I think probably every time you see them, you kind of have to remind yourself that this is is the world that you're in because it's not a thing that's really easy to wrap your mind around. Definitely true. Okay, so now we're at the police station with Val again. And she's replaying the conversation that she had with Lucho where he's talking about Jules. And she just looks so unhappy. And now she's talking to the girlfriend, uh, Guillet's girlfriend, whose name I don't know. Yeah, the tone of this conversation is kind of that even though Renata is Guillet's partner, she is very much in like, the situation Juliana was in that is being kept on the outside of the situation. So even though she's been at the police station, she knows nothing. So when she sees Val, she has to ask Val what's going on and then says, I think only family can see him. So she's very much feeling like an outsider in this situation, um, even though she's trying to be there for Guillet. There weren't this many conversations between Beltran and Lupe? In the version I watched, basically they're busy plotting and planning how to rescue Jules. And Chino is showing his colors here. Lupe says, you know, that's not Chino. I know it looks like Chino. And he's saying, oh, you let him convince you of that. Because he is basically just willing to trade his body and this man that he doesn't know to solve his problems. Which again, I think, you know, just speaks to, to who he is as a person. Oh, for sure. Now we're back with Jules. There's a dude brings her food, says, soup's still hot, you should eat. And then he says, your mother was in this room. And he seems to be a relatively nice dude. And then she says, look, I don't know where El Chino is, I swear. And then he, but I think he's an underling, can't actually do much about it. Right. Yeah, but to be fair, you know, he says your mother was in this room and they think that they shot and killed her mother. So the implication could be this is where you die too. It didn't sound like it from the tone, though. It sounded much more like he was, I don't know, making weird conversation, like a very strange kind of conversation. But you're right. They do think they killed her. Yeah. Well, that's not very tactful of you, dude. Yeah, he's just kind of an idiot underling who shows moments of empathy, um, but it's 
laced with a little bit of something strange and unsettling still. So now we're back with Guy and uh, uh, this chick. What is his girlfriend's name? Renata. So Renata comes in. She gives him this massive hug. They're both so pleased to see each other. It looks like Val has managed to wrangle that they both get to visit him. Val is such a sweetheart, you know. It's not a super exciting dialogue. It's like, oh, I missed you. We're missing you. And, I mean, these scenes are important because Valentina's story arc is intersecting, you know, with her brothers right now and wanting to be there for him because he's kind of going through this thing. But if you're a viewer, you're just like, no, this is not... If you're here for Juliantina, you're like, this is not what we need to be focusing on right now. Like, Valentina needs to find out that Juliana has kidnapped and we need to do something about this. But she, you know, I think she's trying to distract herself from the hurt. So not only would she be there for her brother anyway, but throwing herself into helping him and being there for him is, I think, letting her, you know, get some some space um, from the news that she's just found out. One very sweet part of this is that Val tells Guille that Renata's been there the whole time and hasn't left, but nobody would let her in to see him. And he looks so touched by that. And she says, did you get the food that I sent you? And he was like, that was from you. No wonder it was so delicious. And it's just this very sweet kind of moment, the exact sort of thing you could see happening between Val and Jules. True love and all that. Soulmates, as it were. Uh, Val. Val's always making promises of things. And is it a lie if you believe it? You know, the <laughs> Valentina Carvajal story. <laughs> Val's like, I promise this is the last time we're going to have to meet like this. Lawyers are doing something. We're going to convince whoever. We're just going to fix it. I think Valentina would rule the world if it was just willpower alone. Absolutely. Okay, so now we're with the psychic chick. I actually don't know what her name is. I think this might be the first time we're actually seeing her. In Yes, in our scenes, yes. She's obviously been a fixture on the show beforehand in other story arcs, but this is the first time she's intersecting with the Juli and Tina storyline. All right, so now we see Jacob with her. Now we discover that she's been talking to Beltran, and Jacob is saying there's something messier than even this transmigration bodies thing. He's revealed that Jules and Val are in love. And then she holds up the card of the heart with, like, swords through it. I don't know, as if that says something, because... And then the music goes, like, oh, shock horror. We just discovered something. I'm not sure what we discovered, but there it is. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so now we're outside the, the police station, and Val and Renato are sitting there on the stairs, as one does, you know? Yeah. They're kind of dressed alike. That's not relevant to anything but they're both wearing like wide-sleeved three-quarter length shirts like nice print patterns monica if there's an episode where you don't get to comment on the fashion i worry about you and usually i comment on men's fashion well this is true oh yeah i just can't even look at lucho right now so i have nothing to say about him even if i wanted to say something positive i probably wouldn't and i do pride myself on being like diplomatic and giving credit where credit is due but we're past that point renata is 
saying, you know, your brother changed my life. I really love him. Um, and then she turns around and says to Val, what about you? How are you? And what was her name again? And then Val says, Juliana. And she just looks off sadly into the distance and starts crying. And we hear their theme song. And then she says, it's over. And she says they broke up, you know, implying that they were together. They were together. Right. But yeah, they made a pact. They were never like girlfriends. Um, Monica, they had sex. They were girlfriends. Okay. Sex does not equal a relationship. In this case, it does. Right. Right. Well, no, and that's to my original point. I think that is why what Lucho said and the way he said it was so cutting for Valentina. It was she liked him so much that they had sex, not they had sex. But she's trying to, I think, you know, here she's trying to explain to Renata what happened without even really knowing it herself because, you know, last she had really talked to who's you know they couldn't be together because of all the stuff that was going on and the danger and all of those things but you know they kissed and Juliana said that she still cared about her and then you know Lucho shows up and says that she's with Sergio now shame and for the first time I think she's got someone who actually gets it because Val says um and our families didn't help at all you know and she just looks sadly down on the ground. And then Renata's like, I actually understand that. And she, you know, touches her arm. And the thing is, if anybody would understand, it would be Renata. She's saying that she thought she knew Juliana and now she doesn't know. Because the last bit of information she got was from Lucho saying that Juliana liked Sergio. And I don't know, to v- call it a positive attribute or a character flaw um but val trusts people that what they say is true so she doesn't even think about the fact that lucho may be lying to her to you know orchestrate a situation that's beneficial to him so in her mind now she really believes that juliana has moved on with sergio so now we are back with Pula. Pula, i think it is um, the chick who owns the restaurant that Jules was working at and then before that Lupe was working at and Sergio comes in and he's like I'm looking for Juliana and Perla tells him that she was kidnapped so she's like what do you mean she was kidnapped and I think that's where we're going to end today next time we'll talk about what happens when Val finds out that Jules has been kidnapped and what the hell happens to Jules because the the hitman gave her three hours in which to, you know, reveal where her father is. You're listening to Lesbians on Screen. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen. Monica, can you tell listeners where they can find you online? 
very socially active online, uh, just depends on what channel. Uh, so Twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that I will communicate back. So it's at Monica McAllen and that's on Twitter. I do have a Facebook fan page and I have a website, www.monicamcallen.com. But for sure, if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff, Twitter is where you can find me. Thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens. Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.